0: Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant therefore say to the israelites i am the lord and i will bring you out from under the yoke of the egyptians i will free you from being slaves to them and i will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment i will take you as my own people and i will be your god Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you
1: as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites
0: go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen
1: to me, since I speak with faltering lips? Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. These were the heads of their families. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, were Hanak and Paliu, Hezron and Carmi. These were the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jakim, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These were the clans of Simeon. These were the names of the sons of Levi, according to their records, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Levi lived 137 years. The sons of Gershon by clans were Libni and Shimei. The sons of Kohath were Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel. Kohat lived 133 years. The sons of Mirarai were Malai and Mushai. These were the clans of Levi according to their records. Amram married his father's sister, Jacobed, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Amram lived 137 years. The sons of Izar were Korah, Nephi, and Zichri. The sons of Uziel were Mishael, Elzaphon, and Sithri. Aaron married Elisheba, daughter of Amminadab, and sister of Nashon. And she bore him Nadab and Ubahi, Eleazar and Ithamar. The sons of Korah were Aser, Elkanah, and Ubiasab. These were the Korahite clans. Eleazar, son of Aaron, married one of the daughters, Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. These were the heads of the Levite families, clan by clan. It was this Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, This same Moses and Aaron. Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him,
0: I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, Since I speak with faltering lips, why would... Pharaoh, listen to me.
2: Jesus, bless this time. May you be honored. May you be glorified. May you be exalted. May you be lifted up. You're a great God. In your name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 6 uh, this morning. You remember, uh, perhaps if you were with us last week, uh, we talked about Exodus chapter 5. And in Exodus chapter 5... Uh, there's there's a lot of suffering and a lot of complaining and a lot of oppression. We talked about how Exodus chapter 5 follows on, on the end of Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 ends with the children of Israel deep in worship and celebrating Yahweh. Uh, Exodus chapter 5 dawns and they discover that they're still being oppressed by the uh, by uh, the Pharaoh and oppression continues to happen. In fact, the oppression gets worse. They make it much, much much worse, and, and the, the children of Israel uh, begin to turn on Moses. They begin to blame him, and, uh, and, and things seem pretty messed up. And we talked about the idea that how God did not cease to be God between the last verse of chapter 4 and the last verse of chapter 5, but he was God throughout it, and he is carrying out uh, his, his plan. So, uh, this morning I'm going to read to you from chapter 6, and we'll, we'll dive in. Uh, chapter 6. Uh, verse 1 says this, but the Lord replied to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of a strong hand, he will let them go, and because of a strong hand, he will drive them from his land. Then God spoke to Moses, telling him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I was not known to them by my name, the Lord. I also established my covenant with them and gave them the land of Canaan. The land they lived in is aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them." I will redeem you with an outstretched arm in great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land uh, that I swore to to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their broken spirit and hard labor. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go and tell Pharaoh, the king of of Egypt, to let the Israelites go from his land. But Moses said in the Lord's presence, If the Israelites will not listen to me, then how will Pharaoh listen to me, since I am such a poor speaker? Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them commands, concerning both the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Then there's a genealogy, which we're not going to deal with in depth, but uh, these are the heads of the fathers of the family. The sons of Reuben uh, gives the background of Aaron, uh, uh, finishes with uh, Aaron's son Eleazar married the daughter of Pudiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the Levite families by their clans. Verse 26, it was this Aaron and Moses, whom the Lord told, bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt according to their military divisions. Moses and Aaron were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, in order to bring them out of Egypt. On the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to them, I am the Lord, tell the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I'm telling you. But Moses replied in the Lord's presence, since I am such a poor speaker, how will the Pharaoh listen to me? So, if you remember going back to, to, uh, to chapter 3, we had an issue of Moses's identity. Moses, uh, God shows up, says to Moses, Moses, I have a job for you. I want you to do it. And Moses responds, Well, who am I that I should do this? He has a question of identity. God answers Moses's question of identity by telling Moses who God is. Here in chapter six, we're going to get a similar issue with Moses and, uh, and Aaron. But it's not going to be an issue of identity. In this case, it's an issue of adequacy. So in in chapter 3, Moses is going to say, well, who am I? In chapter 6, Moses is going to say, but how can I? In both cases, God is going to call them. He's going to ask them to do something. He's going to give them, uh, give them an assignment, so to speak. In each one, Moses says, "But how can I?" In chapter three, he says, "But who am I that I should?" In chapter six, he says, "But I don't speak well. How can I?" So. Uh, At the beginning of verse 6, it says, But the Lord replied to Moses. If he's replying, it refers back. What does it refer back to? It refers back to the end of chapter 5. Remember, uh, in in chapter 5, the the, uh, Israelites are being oppressed. The oppression is is worse. They're, They're complaining. Moses goes so far as to say to God, Ever since I spoke to Pharaoh in your name, he has caused trouble for this people, and you haven't rescued your people at all. God then is going to reply. But God does not reply like we might expect someone who would talk so impudently to God to reply. In other words, Moses is in a situation. He's whining at God. He says, you haven't done a thing. You haven't saved them. God, what have you done? And we might think that God might respond uh, with a lightning bolt. That's what I've done, Moses. It's a shorter story and less powerful that way though, right? But sometimes we expect and our thinking is is that the way God is going to to reply to to us and reply to humanity is with with a lightning bolt. God... thankfully and graciously, does not respond in that way. He is, he is long-suffering and graceful towards us in our humanity, graceful towards us in who we are. And so Moses says, ever since I went to the Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for the people, and you have not rescued your people at all. He essentially uh, levels an accusation at God. God's response to him is not, what did you just say to me? But rather, he says, but the Lord replied to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh because of the strong hand he will let them go and because of a strong hand he will drive I will, he will drive them from this land so God's response to Moses when Moses cries out God is patient with his humanity and God's response is again and you're going to see this throughout throughout Exodus uh, um, you know us we're not We're not real nervous about the fact that we kind of are preaching the same message again and again. And the reason why is the text is not nervous about the fact that it's preaching the same message again and again and again. And so we have talked about this, that that thematically Exodus is this idea that God is God that God will do what God wants to do and what God does is always consistent with his promises and his his characters. Moses uh, may forget that in a minute. Moses may be learning that in in real time. But when humans cry out to God, God's response to to them in this case is not like it could be because he is God, not like, like it perhaps should be because we are sinners, but rather he replies gracefully. Moses says, you haven't rescued your people. At all, God's response is now you will see what I will do to the Pharaoh. Because of a strong hand, he will let them go, and because of a strong hand, he will drive them from his land. God's response to our issues are almost always rooted in who he is, right? In, in, in our issue, uh, when we have an issue, when something is going on, God's response is about himself. And, and we would do well. Uh, we would do well to to discover that, to lean into that, and and um, and depend on that. Continuing in verse two, then God spoke to Moses, telling him, "I am the Lord." Uh, again, that's one of those cases. Remember, we talked about this earlier. Again, chapter three. Especially in these cases where God is revealing who he is. This is, this is not, I think, the best way to translate this. Uh, he says, I am the Lord. What he actually says there is, I am Yahweh. He gives them his name. He says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But I was not known to them by my name, Yahweh. I established my covenant with them and gave them the land of Canaan, the land they lived in as aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites that I, Yahweh... I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out of the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of of judgment. Here's the idea. Moses goes to God, says, God, you haven't done anything to rescue anybody. You're, You're our God. You're the one we're putting our faith in. What have you done? And God replies and says, you're about to see what I can do. And not only does does he say that, then he speaks to them he says, I appeared. (coughs) He says to them, I am Yahweh, connecting back to to, to chapter 3. I am he who is. I am the preexistent one. I am the unconditioned one. There is no one beyond me. There is no one above me. There is no one beside me. I am God and I have a name. That name is Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But they didn't yet know my name. My name is Yahweh. I have established a covenant with them. I have given them the land in Canaan. They lived in aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves. And have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites that I am Yahweh. I am the God who I said I was. I am the unconditioned one. I am the unassailable one. I am the unchangeable one. I am the one who does what I want. Let them know who they are dealing with. It is me. It is Yahweh. I Furthermore, I have uh, uh, furthermore, I've heard the groaning of Israelites for work slaves, remember my covenants, I uh, therefore tell all the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring them out of forced labor to the Egyptians and rescue them from slavery to them. I will redeem them with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as your people, as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am Yahweh Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him. So here, here's the issue. Moses shows up on the scene and goes, God, you haven't done anything. I'm in a situation. What about this situation? What's going to happen? And God reminds him when he speaks to, this, to the situation, speaks to the issue they're in, speaks to the, the struggle they're in, God's, God's first response is not to even speak to their situation. He doesn't speak first to their, their situation. His response is when Moses says, the situation is bad, God says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. So the Lord replied to Moses, now you will see. God, uh, Moses goes and says, you haven't set anyone free. God says, wait, watch what I am about to do. Right, And we talked about this before, is that, that God is, is, is God and he acts for his own glory. We talked about this last week, that in, in chapter 5, we didn't know what was going on, but you could expect that God was going to act for his own glory. This is true here. Uh, he replies to Moses, now you will see what I will do to the Pharaoh. God's response to their issues is about what God will do. He says, what I will do to the Pharaoh, I'm going to have a strong hand. He's going to drive him out. Then he said to Moses, I am Yahweh. He's going to remind them again and again and again and again and again who he is. And it's going to happen again and again and again in this chapter. It happened in chapter 3 when Moses said, who am I? It's happening here when Moses says, woe is me. Look around at the situations, and, and Moses is, is justified in looking at the situation and recognizing that the situation is not what it should be. He's justified in looking around and being broken by the situation. He's justified in looking around and being distressed by the situation. But God's response in the midst of the situation, his first response is, now you will see what I will do. God's response when we go through any situation is to cause us to look at him. He becomes the center point in any struggle. So, uh, continuing. But I was not known to them by the name Yahweh. I want to emphasize again why that name Yahweh is important. It's especially important in this, in this context. He's speaking specifically of the name. He was not known to them by, by that name, but he has revealed himself to Abraham as that name Yahweh, the God who is. I've established my covenant. He continues verse 6, therefore I will will, uh, tell the Israelites, I am Yahweh and I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. He says he's going to set them free. Uh, And then Moses goes and tells it to the Israelites, but they don't listen to him because of their broken spirit and their hard labor. Right? This this happens uh, uh, in in life, this is going going to happen to you, this is either going to happen to you, this is going to be you. Right There are times when what we need to hear and what we should hear and what is best for us to hear, we are not prepared or ready to hear or we don't hear because of our own brokenness. So the Israelites, because they've been in forced labor, because they've been beaten down, because their hope has been stolen, because they have struggled, all of these things because of the oppression, Moses goes and says, Yahweh says he's going to set us free, and they go. Uh, We're not trying to hear it. We can't hear it. The situation that they're in is too deep. Uh, too deep for them they they can't hear in the midst of of their struggle so at some point you're either probably going to be the person who in the midst of your struggle can't hear uh, what you need to hear or you're going to be the person that God sends to tell a person listen God is good and they're going to respond by going what you mean God is good do you see what just happened what do you mean coming in here telling me that God's good? Did you not hear what happened to my family? Did you not hear what happened to my mother? Did you not hear what happened to my brother? Did you not hear? What do you mean that God is good? And so I want to point out these things to you so that you notice what we have here is a very human and a very realistic chapter of Scripture. Right? God, it begins with Moses complaining at God. Actually, uh, 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 Chapter 5 ends with Moses complaining at God. Chapter 6 begins with with God responding to Moses, telling him what his plan is and what he will do. Moses goes and tells the people, and the people can't hear it. They're too broken. They've lost hope, and they don't hear what they need to hear. Verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go from his land. But Moses said, in the Lord's presence, if the Israelites will not listen to me, then how will the Pharaoh listen to me, since I am such a poor speaker? You would think, I would think, again, I want to emphasize the humanity of this. You can probably relate. They say that the number one fear that most Americans have if they do this survey is public Public speaking, uh, and so public speaking is a huge fear for people. Imagine that that God says, "I want you to be a public speaker." Not only do I want you to be a public speaker, but I want you to go and speak in front of a king in his court. Go, go, approach the king and confront him. That's a difficult thing to be called to do. It's especially difficult thing to be called to do when you just failed at that in front of an audience that was more likely to be friendly to you. So it, it's the situation as if you were you were called. Uh, you went to your family Christmas party and. Uh, uh, for some reason, your family Christmas party had, had a talent portion. Uh, and by the way, if your family Christmas party doesn't have a talent portion, let me tell you. Because I'm actually uh, married into a family that actually has a talent portion at their Christmas party. Uh, and so it's as if you went to that and you showed up and you stood up and you read a poem and it was universally panned. Everybody went, Bo, you stink, I'm telling you, it's an easy audience. I've seen some things, guys. I've seen some things happen at the family Christmas party uh, talent show, right? It seems to be a lot of people wanting to get on a microphone. You don't have to put a lot of work into it. You just gotta be willing. If you are willing to go stand up there in front of the family and say your thing, the family loves it. But let's suggest. Let's say, what happens if you go to the family thing? You prepared your your poem. You 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 polished it. You have all the key things. And then in, in at that family party, the key things would be would be um would be something. Oh, we'll, we'll skip that. I just say if, if you could somehow work in like like the greatness of the American farmer into that speech. If you there's just a few things. If you can say American far, farmer a uh, 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 returning soldier, any of these sorts of things. are just things. But let's say you've got both of those. You've worked in the farmer. You've worked in the returning soldier. You've talked about the snow falling on the on the, on the the fields. You've even worked in a nice little antidote about a white-tailed deer that was seen. If you've got all of those, if you did that and you get up and you give that speech and then when you finish that, when you hit the high note, the crescendo of that, the family looks at you, points, and goes... Boo! You stink! Guys, that's an easy audience. Then, after leaving there, you're on your way home and you get a call from God, right? And in this example, God's using a cell phone for some reason. You pick up your cell phone and you go, yes, Lord, what can I do for you? He's like, here's what I need you to do. I've been watching what's been going on in the the branches of government over there, and I need you to get the branches of government together, and I want you to go to the branches of government, and I want you to speak before them and confront them. You might say, God, I don't know if you were watching. I assume because you're God that you were, omnipresent in everything, all-knowing. You saw the performance I just did for the family Christmas party. What do you mean you want me to go to the, king, to, to, to the government. No, go to the government and tell them this. In fact, what you have to say to the government, they're not going to like. Go, go tell them. That's kind of the situation that Moses was in, right? He spoke to his own people. He spoke to his own people with a message that they were prone to like, right? Because his message was, God's going to set you free. God's going to set you free. God's going to get you out of the oppression. God's he told them everything they wanted to hear and the people went, "Bo!" Go home, Moses. We're not trying to listen to you anymore. And God's response to that is, Moses, uh, verse ten. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, "Go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go from his land." I think then, if you think like that, you understand why Moses goes. But the Lord said, "In the Lord," uh, but Moses said, "In the Lord's presence, if the Israelites would not listen to me, then how will Pharaoh listen to me? Since I am such a poor speaker." Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them commands concerning both the Israelites and the pharaohs and the kings of Egypt to bring the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Then there's this genealogy that appears in the middle of it. And this is one of those things that go, why is, why is there a genealogy in the middle of the story? The genealogy, they think, appears in the middle of the story simply to establish for original readers, people who would have known, people who come from, from backgrounds, that, that Aaron has the pedigree, that Aaron has the... Um, that Aaron has, the, has kind of the background that would allow him to be a suitable companion to Moses when Moses goes and speaks to, to the Pharaoh. And the idea there then that we understand is that it makes this point, is that God's response to Moses, when Moses goes, I don't speak very well, God's response is, do you think that I haven't been planning this? Do you think that I have not arranged this? Do you think I have not set it up? Do you think I'm not in control of this? And so the genealogy functions to say, look, God... Look, I'm God and I've given you a partner. Your partner's Aaron. Aaron has the pedigree to do this. Aaron, Aaron has this. He's a suitable partner for you. I'm not just sending you in there willy-nilly. I planned this. I've determined that this, this should be. So that the genealogy appears there and then uh, it comes down. The genealogy is interesting because the genealogy goes into the past and then it goes into the future. Aaron's son, Eleazar married one of the daughters of uh, Pudiel and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the, fam- uh, the Levite families by their, by their clans. It goes in the future, meaning I'm God. I've got this. I've got a plan. And so God's response continually in, in this back and forth is, is that Moses is going, well, who am I? Chapter 3, God goes, who are you? I am Yahweh. I am who I am. They call me this. I am the one who is. I am unchangeable. I'm un- that's, that's God's response in, in chapter 6 when Moses go, goes, well, what are you going to do? Here's our situation. God's response to the situation is not to talk about the situation, but rather, again, he talks about who he is, right? And then God's response, again... Uh, here, if the Israelites will listen, uh, not listen to me. Uh, then how will Pharaoh listen to me since I'm a poor speaker the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them commands he just he, he speaks again and then he's going to lay out his plan and the idea is going to be at every turn what God reminds them is that though God has chosen God has ordained that they be a part of his plan it is God who is carrying out his plan and it is God who is doing what God wants to do it's the reason why he spends a, a significant time when Moses is talking about situations he's talking about who he is Moses says here's the situation God says I am the Lord I am Yahweh I appeared to Abraham Isaac and Jacob as God Almighty but I was not known to them by my name I established covenants I did that and furthermore, I've heard this and I'm going to rescue and I'm going to bring you out. God's response to, to situations is to tell them who God is and what God has done. God's response to when, when they say, but, but who am I? How can I go? He gives a genealogy. And the point of the genealogy is not even the people in the genealogy, really. It's a telescope version, simply to say, I'm God. I've got this. I, have, I am carrying out my plan and I will do so perfectly. Uh, then verse 26, it was Aaron and Moses whom the Lord told this is actually a restatement of it's a retelling of what's happened early so this is not a second time that this happened it's a restatement the first time cuz the genealogy is put in there uh, it was moses and aaron whom the lord told bring the israelites out of the land of egypt according to the military uh, Divisions. Moses and Aaron were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, in order to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. On the day that the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to them, I am Yahweh, tell the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I'm telling you. But Moses replied in the Lord's presence, since I am such a poor speaker, how will Pharaoh listen to me? So it comes back to that. And I enjoy the way that in, in these literary divisions and the way that it's broken up, these like to, they, they, keep, they continue to like to end kind of on cliffhangers, right? But here's the situation God says to Moses, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses says, how can I do it? I, I'm a stutterer. I'm a bad speaker. I don't, I don't speak well. God says, Here's the situation. Here's how I planned for it to happen. Go, go tell him. Moses says, but, but I'm a bad speaker. God says, bring Aaron. But I'm a bad speaker. God says, I'm Yahweh. I'm the one. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, as God Almighty, but I was not known by my name, Yahweh. I have established my covenant with them and give them the land of Canaan, and they lit where they lived as the aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. God, you will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who, you brought out, who brought you out of the forced labor of the Egyptians. God's response to our struggle is, is to meet us in our humanity, but to continue again to remind us exactly who he is and what he does. In, in, in the case in, in chapter 3, Moses' question is, well, who am I? In, in chapter 6, his question is, but how can I? Look at me. I'm inadequate. So I want to talk to you just as, by way of application, to ask you this: What are you experiencing in life where your response to God is to ask Him either as in chapter three, but who? But who am I?" Or in chapter six, "But how can I?" Where are you questioning in your life your adequacy and say to you that God's answer to your inadequacy is His full? Adequacy for everything. He is Yahweh. The statement of Yahweh is a claim to be God. A claim to be God is to claim to be all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere, at all times. We said from the beginning and we repeat again. God is the one who carries out his plans from beginning to end without fail. He has no fear that his plan will fail. He's establishing his glory. And so in your life and in your struggle, where is the place where you're going, but how can I... How can I? I'm not, I can't do that. And so in Moses' case, he said, go tell Pharaoh. He said, I can't go tell Pharaoh. I don't speak well. It's a funny thing to say, right? Moses meant God in a burning bush, Moses has seen God perform amazing signs. In fact, he performed the signs in front, of the, in front of the children of Israel. The children of Israel worship God. They've seen God carry out signs. Moses is carrying out a conversation with Yahweh, the God of the universe, and God says, go do this. And Moses says, uh, I don't think I have what it takes. That's a very interesting thing to do after having seen all that God has done to question then your adequacy when God asks you to do something. And the reason why is Is because your adequacy is not based in you. Listen, you at your finest, you at your greatest, you at your most talented, you at your most confident, you at your most amazing, doing something that is contrary to the plan of God is useless. It will not succeed. That will fail. But you in your place going, but who am I? I'm a poor speaker. You want me to do what? God's response is, you can be a poor speaker. I'm Yahweh. You, you, can, you can feel inadequate. It's okay. I am that I am. You can, you can feel down and broken. I see your situation. You can, you can be angry and, and speak like that, Moses. I see it, but I want you to know, I knew Abraham, Isaac, Jacob as is God Almighty. I have revealed to you my name. I have made covenants and I have kept them and I have seen the struggle of the Israelites and I will free them. I am Yahweh. Yes, I get it, Moses. You feel inadequate, but you have been sent by me, and I am fully adequate. I am fully able, and I will do what I have said that I will do. So the idea here is, is this, is that, is that God is in the, in the business, or He is in the, his work is to bring about salvation for his people. It is, it is a crowning point of his glory and his plan that he would rescue his people. Not only the Israelites from the land of, of Egypt, but that's a picture of what God intends to do, do more fully and more completely in, in what we think of as the second exodus. In the coming of Jesus Christ to the cross to die, to bring people not out of the land of Egypt, but out of the land of brokenness, sin, death, and hell. Jesus is then the, the new and the better Moses. Moses' job is to go and lead people out of Egypt. Jesus' job is to lead us out of sin, death, and, and hell. Right, And so this story tells that story, but the idea is the same. You need to understand is that God is in the business of bringing about salvation for his people. That should be to you good news in, in everyday human living. There are days that do not feel very much like we're being rescued. There are days that do not feel very much like we're being saved. There are days when we feel like everything is crushing us. But you need to know that the God of of Scripture, the God who said, I am Yahweh, from a burning bush, the God who said again, "I am Yahweh." I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. The same God who said, "I have established covenants," is the God that you follow in the pen, or, or, or the not the pen, the ultimate expression of His promises, and the ultimate expression of His covenant keeping, and the ultimate expression of what He wanted to do in history was the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ, so that not only was He rescuing the children of Israel, but He's rescuing all of His children from sin and rescuing them from the darkness of a land where they were oppressed the darkness of a land where they were hurt he is bringing us out, he is setting us free, that is what God wants to do in history, he did it in Moses but a Moses is but a picture of what he accomplished in Jesus so that freedom is yours and can be yours and you have been set free and Jesus has led you out of the land so that when God comes to you and says, Dave I need you to go do this how do I respond? How do I respond? In the moments that are down, and the moments are dark, how do I respond when God says, Dave, I need you to go do this? I go, but God, did you just see what happened? I've already failed at that 50 times. God reminds me, eh, yeah. But here's the thing. Not only am I Yahweh, the one who is, but I am the Father. Of Jesus Christ, the living son of God, who came, died upon the cross, laid in the grave for three days, and was resurrected, walked out of the grave alive. And because I did that, it proved forevermore, I keep my covenants. And my covenant with you is that I will save you. I will rescue you. I will keep you. I will love you. Every verse of scripture drips with this idea that God is in the business of rescuing, 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 saving. And so if you are in that place where you're like, ah, what do I do? I want to ask you, when God asks you to act, when God asks you to do, and when you begin to argue with him, you say, but God, who am I? I want to remind you that it does not really matter who you are. It only matters who he is. And when God says to you, I want you to do this, but you say, but God, I'm not adequate. I want to remind you, it does not matter. Your adequacy is not the question. His is the question, and it has been found to at no point ever in the least be wanting. He is adequate. We know this, not only because we're reading history where it shows us that he does bring the Egyptian children out of captivity. But because the story of Exodus is a pre-telling or a foreshadowing of the story of you and I, there is coming a day when the son of the living God would come and rescue all mankind out a cross, in a grave, and in a resurrection. And so in those moments, in those moments where you go, Oh, God. I'm not good at that. I want to remind you, it does not matter at all. Your finest, most gifted adequacies are useless if they're contrary or contrary to the plan of God. But your greatest inadequacies can be used for the greatness of the kingdom if they're consistent with what God wants to do. The story of the children of Israel, by the way, can be summed up by saying, I, I used to like to say that, that the one thing, the one phrase that the children of Israel, and we'll, we'll, we'll see this again and again, uh, when the one phrase that, that you would have liked to hear them learn is the same one that we'd like to have our teenagers learn. And it's a simple phrase, it's not about me. Teenagers and the, and the children of Israel were not very good at saying that. They're not very good at saying it's not about me, but, but, the, but the testimony of Scripture is the most beautiful thing Is that, in, in a good way. It's not about you. In chapter 3, Moses goes, but who am I? And God says, I am Yahweh. In chapter 6, Moses goes, but I'm inadequate. And God goes, yeah, and I am Yahweh. I'm Yahweh. And the answer again and again and again and again is going to be who he is. Right, and so we talk about this 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 before, like like that. It's just it's not my 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 preaching strength or forte to give you like five steps to make that like super super duper practical for you. Right, that's, that's just not my forte, but I want you to hear this, that I don't know anything that is more life-changing for me or helps me grow more or helps me counsel people more than this simple reality, to learn that in the midst of anything, what really matters is that he is Yahweh, the God who is. And for your moments of identity or for your moments of adequacy, I want you to remember that the God of all salvation, whose name is Yahweh, loves you, cares for you, and has called you to be his child. And if he calls you to be his child, and then he sends you on assignment and asks you to do something, you are not, not up to the task. You are not unable to do what he has asked you to do, but you are fully able, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. He is Yahweh. The question becomes, what will it take to believe that? Will you believe that on hearing, or will it take life experience? Like as you walk away this morning, do you believe that, or do you walk away like Moses did in verse 30 saying, since I'm such a poor speaker, how will the Pharaoh listen to me? I feel like you can walk away with two, in two way, one of two ways. You can go, yes, he is Yahweh. He is God. I'm not, and I'm going to trust in him to carry out what he wants to carry out. And I'm going to find my strength and my empowerment and my meaning and my identity and my adequacy all in him. Or you can continue to focus on who you are and you can walk away and go, oh, I know, but I'm such a poor speaker. Oh, but I'm bad at this. I'm bad at that. My hope is, is that all of us will be a little quicker to learn than Moses was here at the end of chapter 6.